0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Group void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jazz are off tonight, but a really fun schedule coming up for, uh, for the Jazz. Some high-level basketball, actually, in our market this week. Uh, Arizona's in town on Thursday, and the Lakers, Warriors. We've got the Warriors twice here on the Jazz schedule, Lakers as well. Uh, tomorrow night, if you have not seen Oklahoma City play, uh, they're really fun. It's a fun watch. Last time they were in town, it was a really good game. So if you're looking for a reason to get down to the arena, OKC might bring you there. The Jazz with a really good win in comeback fashion. It was the largest comeback of the season last night against Milwaukee. They were down 19 in the second quarter. Their largest comeback prior to last night was a 17-point comeback. So tomorrow the Jazz are going to welcome an OKC. It's a quick road trip to Phoenix, who's played much better, of course, since they've been healthy. And then as I referenced uh, prior to the All-Star break, you're, you're going to see Golden State and Salt Lake twice. And sandwiched in between will be the Lakers coming up uh, next Wednesday. So uh, some fun games being played here in Salt Lake City. But, of course, a lot of NBA basketball right now going on tonight. Uh, Super Bowl week, we've been talking about that, of course, the big game coming up on Sunday. So uh, an off night for the Jazz, but a busy night in the league. And joining us now, I cashed in my yearly Mike Breen appearance on the show. The voice of the Knicks, the voice of the NBA. Uh, Mike, happy Monday, sir. How are you?
1: Hello, old friend. You it all right, Spence?
0: Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I would imagine you are as well. And I just keep thinking about you when I'm watching this basketball team currently playing at Madison Square Garden in New York City. You know, it's funny, Mike. There are guys I grew up with <clears throat> that I won't hear from unless the Knicks are kind of good. And then we become best friends again uh, because there's hope. And the city's alive. Mike, what's it been like to watch this team grow?
1: Well, you, you use the word, Spencer, hope. And you know, they went through a, this last two decades. There's been few and far between of really, really good teams. They've had a couple of okay teams. They've had their share of horrible teams, but this team is, is fun to watch. The fans have really fallen in love with them. And the, the fact that they had this new star player who's playing like it is really what gives them the hope and has them excited because Jalen Brunson has been just magnificent. And now you've got two stars with him and, and Randall. So uh, it's been really fun. I, the, the crowds last week, I would say, reminded me a lot of the Linsanity crowd. Mm. It's the first time I've heard the Garden Roar like that, maybe since Linsanity.
0: Wow. And and that's saying a lot. You know, you could, we could talk about LJ's four-point play, but I think we might be getting ahead of ourselves there, Mike. You know, there's plenty... Uh, to to prove here, what what's the what's the overall sentiment about just how far they can go? The East certainly feels more wide open now. And unfortunate news about Joel Embiid, of course. And you're gutted for him and the Sixers. Uh, there, there are other high quality teams. We saw Milwaukee here last night. I'll get to that. But what's kind of the redeeming thought back there about who they can be?
1: I think most people think they have a chance. Like the the, the real passionate fans, who perhaps don't have the complete subjectivity. Um, uh, I think they think that the Knicks can get to the conference finals. You know, Boston is clearly a better team. Um, Milwaukee has shown some weaknesses. Um, you know, I'd still put them right now slightly ahead of the Knicks. But Tom Thibodeau's team has always in the years he's been here, and, and it was the same thing in Chicago, they get better as the season goes on. Um, the key for the Knicks now is getting Julius Randle back. They'll have a hard time beating the top teams without Randle, but if he comes back and say, two to three weeks, Um, then they have a chance again to get some momentum with him. And I think then there's not a single team in the Eastern Conference that would want to play him in the playoffs.
0: You know, um, I don't know how many people know that Jalen's dad was a very good player. He was actually a counselor of mine at five-star basketball camp. And, you know, Rick is now on the New York Knicks staff. And, you know, it's funny, Mike, uh, you know this because you watched him play. Jalen plays a lot like his dad does. Now times 10, right? And even Rick would tell you that. But what's it been like to watch those two? That I can't imagine what it would be like to coach my son after signing a one hundred million dollar contract in New York. <laughs> that must be a pretty cool storyline back there.
1: Well, it, it really is. It's it's made it part of why people have fallen in love with him because for Jalen, it's you know, it's not only about all about basketball. It's all about team. It's all about family, and it's not just his dad. It's his mom. It's his sister. Um, they're a wonderful family, and and that's what he cares about most. But but you're right about Rick. Rick just didn't have as much athleticism. Rick didn't have the shot that Jalen has, but has the same toughness, the, the same savvy. Um, and to see him, you know, I made fun of him last week when Jalen was named the All-Star. I said, are we going to have to watch you prounce around the garden floor proud as a peacock the way you're going <laughs> to strut around? Uh, but he is that proud, and it's, and it's really wonderful. He was hard on Jalen uh, when they were growing up, really pushed him. But it's what Jalen wanted. And now when you see all that work, all that sacrifice come to fruition, um, it's pretty special. Uh, and if you saw the um, post-game interview that Jalen did after they beat the Pacers, he became really emotional. It was the night he was named an all-star. He had a 40-point game that had come from behind win. And uh, he was just being serenaded with love from the fans. And that really is one of the beautiful things about sports. Even LeBron James commented about it. He said it was so cool to see a player get emotion like that in the biggest moment so far of his career.
0: So, as you know, Mike, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, a year ago decided, like, Georgia's awesome, so I'm going to get all the Georgia defensive players I can. And they went to the Super Bowl. and. I don't know how calculated the let's get all the Jay Ride Villanova kids was, but it certainly – and I've always loved Dante. I love the way he plays, and I do want to talk about the Jazz. Dante had a great game against the Jazz when you saw him back there. But talk about that storyline a little bit. How intentional – I mean, look, Jay's one of the greatest college coaches of this era, certainly, so I don't have an issue with it. I wonder how intentional it was to go find all these Villanova kids. I
1: don't know if it was intentional. I mean, certainly they were all on the radar – but it wasn't necessarily intentional, let's get these Villanova guys. So Jalen Brunson comes, he plays well, Ryan Archie Diacono who's who comes off the bench and is, is you know, usually plays in only any blowouts, uh, but he's also a big part of the connection with the entire team. Now you bring in Josh Hart last year for a trade and it works out so well and you see that connection with, with Brunson and Hart on the floor. And when DiVincenzo became available, I don't think he was their first um guy that they were going for that spot but when they did they were very happy and he's better than he's better than I think they thought and like he was in college every year he got better and I remember Steve Kerr telling me after the Knicks signed him he says not only are the Knicks going to love him but this this kid is he relishes the big moment So at the end of a game, a big game, he's not afraid to take that big shot. And he's much more than just a three-point shooter. So it's been a a perfect addition. But you see that connection, Spencer. And let's face it, the the game is still about five players working together on a floor. Yeah, you can have this all-time great or two superstars and they can overcome anything. But when you see that kind of basketball, the connection, the ball moving, helping each other defensively, it's just been a joy to watch.
0: Yeah, and Dante, I mean, Final Four, most outstanding player, right? So he's always been that guy. Uh, And I I, I will admit uh, something to you, Mike. My wife the other day asked, like, you know, as part of the job, you got to watch a lot of teams and you go to games, and sometimes the fan inside of you dies as a result of what you have to do to make a living. And she said, is there any team that you watch that your heart says, I want them to win? I said, yeah, it's still the Knicks, and it always will be. So when the trade went down, part of me – was bummed out that Emmanuel quickly was part of it because he was growing in a rate where I thought he could be that ball-and-hand guy, but certainly it's worked out. What stands out most about what OG's been able to bring and certainly the other pieces, too? Precious has been great in limited moments. Why did that trade work so well for the Knicks, Mike?
1: Well, first off, you need a great wing defender in the playoffs. You need somebody to at least make a Jason Tatum or Jimmy Butler uh, really work or Donovan Mitchell. You you've gotta you've gotta have that really good wing defender. And he's he's not good, he's a great wing defender. He's one of the best in the league. So that helped. The surprise though Spencer was what he's the difference he's made on the offensive end. Because he's more of a, a, a he's a better fit with Brunson and Randall. RJ Barrett is a really good player and boy do I hope he, he takes off in Toronto. But he was the third guy that needed the ball in his hand third guy that drove the ball to the paint and it got a little clogged up often. Whereas Ananobi is more of go to your spot in the corner, line up the three. Now he can put it on the floor too, but the spacing offensively has improved dramatically. And that has given Brunson and Randall so much more room to operate. And both of those two guys uh, have played at a level in terms of if you can't guard them one-on-one, you've got to send send a second defender. So I think that's been the biggest surprise, how much of a, a boost they've received offensively because of Ananobi's presence.
0: All right, Mike, before we move off the Knicks, and you're going to laugh at me because I'm about to tell you, uh, maybe I'm just getting old, but I thought I thought that uh, I, I read today that it's the 25th anniversary of you and, and, and Clyde, uh, Walt Frazier on MSG Network. In my head, I thought it was longer than that, but I guess, I, I guess I'm wrong. And I wanted to ask you, because you're a pro, you're going to show up and do the job no matter what, what the building is or how the teams are playing but when the garden is like that you know how does it affect uh you know the way that you can go about your job utilizing the crazy energy of those nick fans and a thought on what it's been like to work with clyde for that long
1: well first off you're right spencer with clyde we actually worked the first time we worked together was 31 years ago okay, okay. when we did uh, my first three years i did radio with him the 25th anniversary is us doing television together gotcha um and that has been it's really has been one of the joys of my life um I grew up he was one of, one of my childhood heroes, and to you know night after night in that building have him sitting next to me while I'm calling the team that I grew up rooting for as a kid it's it's not stuff you even dream of, so in this case uh the reality has passed the dreams, and I'm so blessed for it and so blessed to have him as my partner all these years. Um, and he's so rejuvenated the last couple of years because he, you know, he suffered through a lot of bad teams as a broadcaster. And there's a the guy that, you know, set the standard for what, what it is to be a championship player in New York. So he's all fired up. And, you know, every broadcaster will tell you when you're, when you're doing the home team, you know, you still do a good job, even if the team is 19 and 63. Um, but when the team is good, And they play fun basketball to watch, and they're easy to root for as individuals as as on a team. There's nothing better because you get caught up with it. And and for me, again, it's a team I rooted for as a kid, so I, I feel like I've always I understand what Nick fans are thinking, how they're dealing with things, and how much it means to them. And for me, that that enhances the telecast for me.
0: Uh, one more thing here, because it just kind of came to my mind. I keep hearing people say Jalen's the best Nick point guard since Clyde. What does he? What does is, what, is, what what does Walt Frazier say about that? Is Jalen the best point guard the Garden has seen since Clyde was uh, Clyde was running the show? I
1: don't know if he's used those exact words, but he feels what Brunson has done in this year and a half is one of the great. He's become one of the great players in Nick's history, yeah. and you can't argue with it. And it's not just it's not just numbers. It's the impact on winning. And and that's, to Clyde, that's most important. I mean, Nick's had some, you know, really terrific point guards. Mark Jackson obviously was an all-star, was a rookie of the year. Um, Stephon Marbury put up great numbers, but his impact on winning wasn't as much. Um, So I think it's. there's no question he's up one of the great, not just point guards, I think Brunson, and again, it's just a year and a half, but he has become one of the great players in Nick's history.
0: Okay, Mike, I want to kick the tires with you on where we find ourselves out here in Salt Lake. And it's been a minute since you and I have been able to catch up. So I won't do the revisionist history stuff uh, very much. But you know the deal. They decided to pivot away from a really good team, coached by Quinn Snyder and led by Donovan and uh, Rudy Gobert. And, um, you know, it was a team that I loved them. It was fun to watch them grow. They won a lot of games. Uh, Seem to be good guys. I I will always maintain that COVID changed them. We don't have to go back there, but unfortunately it never quite worked out the way that I think it could have if one or two things went their way. So new ownership, new front office, new coach. I don't know how, how well, you know, Will Hardy, he is dynamite. I think they got the right guy there in that seat. It's, it's simply going to take some time to rebuild and we find ourselves in probably still the first couple of steps in that rebuild uh, you called the game when the Jazz were in New York not that long ago. Uh, Jazz didn't play all that well. The Knicks got them. But just your thoughts on this project for the Jazz, where we find ourselves out here in Salt Lake.
1: Well, you know, people talk about or what kind of young talent that they have. That's always the first question. But why sometimes is it not do you have a great young coach? And you hit the nail on the head. I, I, I find him to be as as impressive a young coach to come into this league as I've seen in a long time. Um, his knowledge of the game, his people skills, his, his ability to deal with everything his creativity. I, I think this guy is, is going to be special for a long, long time. Um, and I think that's something that you can't underestimate. You can have a lot of good players and, and certainly, you know, you're not going to win if you don't have top players, but this guy one thing you'll know for sure, whatever the potential is of a particular team he's coaching, they're going to reach that. So that's, that's a great step, number one. And, and you're right. It's going to take a couple of years, and it was hard to break up because some of the guys were young that they, that they let go. But you also maybe had a feel that they weren't going to resign eventually. And you've got to, you've got to make hard decisions when you're a president or a GM of a team. But I like some of the pieces that they have. Um, you know, Markinen has just become one of the, the best scoring forwards in the game, and and I also I love the kid Kessler. Um, you know, he's got a, he's got a lot to learn, but he's you know he's such a force and a presence. And some of the other young players are good as well. And and it, I just think it's because you, you had a team that could get to the second round pretty much every year with the way they were. It's hard to accept the fact that all right, maybe we've got a team now that's gonna not going to be in the playoffs, or maybe get in and lose in the first round. It's hard for fans because you felt like you were close, but I think the people that are around the team day in and day out they realize what's the what's the ceiling, and they just felt the ceiling was not going to be good enough. And and rather than wait a couple of extra years to start the quote unquote rebuild, let's start it now and, and get there quicker than we would have if we waited.
0: One more jazz question that I've got a couple big picture things for you, Mike, before I set you loose. I appreciate your time. I, I don't think I've ever been able to ask you the question uh, about Danny Ainge, who's now running the show, because this week is trade deadline week and a lot of rumors and people wondering what's going to happen or what's Danny going to do. And, you know, in his introductory press conference, one of his opening lines was to the media and the fans is, I remove emotion from decision-making. And if you know Danny, that's exactly what he does. So I have no idea what they could do prior to Thursday, but Danny has shown that he will trade anybody and everybody if it's the right thing to do uh, for the club and the organization. So what would you say to Jazz fans about the guy that is now the CEO of Jazz Basketball, Danny Ainge?
1: Be prepared for deals to be done. Yeah. Uh, but he's not going to do it just for the sake of doing it. Um I, I think it's going to be a seller's market. So I think because there's a number of young players on the Jazz that people will be interested in, um, I think there might be some deals made. Um, because the way it is, the parity that's in the – and, and parity kind of suggests mediocrity, and I don't mean it that way. But in the West and now in the East too, um, there are a lot of teams with one or two extra players and sometimes just one that's going to make a difference between winning a playoff series, uh, being knocked out in the first round or even winning a couple of playoff series. So I think we're going to see a great number of deals. I usually don't say that, but I think we're going to see a number of deals and and Danny Ainge will make sure he gets the most because that's most of the time, not all, but most of the time uh, he's the one that kind of people think, I think he won the deal. And he's done it a lot in the past, and I'm sure he'll do it again.
0: Yes, he has. All right, last week marked 10 years uh, as Adam, for Adam Silver as commissioner of the NBA, Mike. And, you know, as you know, the NBA I fell in love with, the commissioner was David Stern. And Adam worked closely with David for a number of years. Uh, there, I think there are more similarities than people want to talk about, but there's certainly a lot of differences. And part of that probably is just understanding the tone and tenor of, athletes now and the way it works in a way that it didn't work back in the day. I I wonder, as you reflect back on 10 years, just a thought on his tenure and how you would articulate the state of the league as we sit here today.
1: Well, Spencer, I think you were right about, there's more similarities between David Stern and and Adam Silver. Uh, He clearly worked for him for a number of years and and was, you know, greatly influenced. Um, Personality wise, they're so different. David Stern could be confrontational, could be tough really tough uh adam has a um set of people skills that seems to get along with people extremely well even with people that that would disagree with him on on most of the issues or things that he's talking about on a particular day um he's just got amazing people skills what i love about him is that he's so smart but he never carries himself as the smartest guy in the room he's open to listen to suggestions and like david stern people might forget this If they they try something and it doesn't work, the NBA has always been very quick to say, you know what, it's not working, we're going to change it. And he's not afraid to do that. Um, And he's also seen the the changes that are coming on, especially with the players and and that they need to be involved so much in in a lot of the decision-making, what's going on. Um, And I think that's always good for the league. It makes it more of a partnership. And I, I just, um, I'm thrilled that he just got the extension. He's done an amazing job, and the league is in such a wonderful place.
0: So I want to ask you about uh, what I perceive to be an issue only because it ruins my night, Mike. We all come at things from our own echo chamber, and anecdotally, uh, this might blow you away. I have a son who is about to turn 23 years old, Mike. That's where we're at out here in Salt Lake. And How old are you now, Spencer? I'm about to turn 46. I turn 46 next month. Do you still picture me as a twelve-year-old kid running around Madison Square Garden? Now, that's the question. Well, that's that's I, no,
1: I, there's no way to picture you, but yeah. I certainly remember it. That's just okay. Blowing. Okay, Your right. way.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. But Connor he's a great kid, and I coached he and his uh, his little buddies with the junior jazz we out here we have out here for a number of years. So I've watched them grow. It's a great group of kids, and so he came over to watch the Super Bowl. And these are kids that when I coached them, they were massive NBA fans and massive jazz fans. And they still are. They still want the jazz. to. Everybody around here wants the jazz to win. It's one of the great things about our community. But I said, so what are your friends, you and your friends, when you're hanging out? He's in college. What are you guys watching? He said, it's the NFL one. It's college football, too. Uh, they've got some soccer fans in the group. And he said, they don't really watch the NBA very much. I said, wait, why? They love the NBA. He said, the best players don't play. And that's not entirely true, but that is topically a load management question that I want to kick the tires with you. Best laid plans by the league for the 65 games. Uh, the MB thing certainly comes into play because he was having a historic season, but he was not going to reach that threshold. I guess the way I'll ask it is, do you perceive this to be an issue? And what do you make of what the league tried to do about it so far?
1: Absolutely an issue. Uh, it was getting to the point where it was becoming a real problem. And that's why they made the change. Um, now, will they keep it at 65? Will they put in um, uh, disclaimers because of certain injuries, et cetera? I don't know. I think they're going to take a hard look at it. But he knew it had to be done, and he made that decision. But he also got approval with the Players Association. So, again, he was bringing in the players on this, and that's what they decided. But there's no question it's it's a problem because – there were so many matchups, especially the national uh, TV matchups that a lot of people will tune in for, that there'd be more than one of the stars not playing. And it happened all the time. Uh, and it And it became a real problem. Then you have all the fans who want to spend money on tickets who might be hesitant to go to that one game a year because the only reason they're going is because their kid loves a certain player. And there's never certainty that that player's going to be. It used to be never a guarantee, but you're pretty close to saying, all right, he's going to play. Uh, so they realized it. And I thought this year was a good step to do that because I think some players and star players have actually done that um, in terms of they played more than they would have in the past couple of years. There was a great article that I can recommend. Tim Bontemps, who does such a great job for ESPN, uh, wrote a piece just on what you're talking about. And did you know back in the 90s, the star players would miss an average of 10.4 games per year. Now, star players are considered players who are either All-Stars or All-NBA. Do you know so far in the 2020s, it's up to 23.6? That's the average. And that's just unacceptable. Yeah, There will be times where star players are legitimately hurt. But we've gotten into the culture where if you're a little sore, if you're a little banged up, you know, they're not going to play, and um, and that has to change. And hopefully, this thing is the first year of many where it's going to start the turnaround.
0: Well, Mike, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and how busy you are. So I love to cash in my yearly Mike Breen appearance. It makes my day. It's fun watching that team play like that and hearing you call those games. So uh, sincere thank you, sir. Have a great week, and uh, would love to do it again at, at some point.
1: Spencer, anytime. I'm so thrilled for your success and, and your family, a beautiful family that's grown. So uh, it's it's always my pleasure to be with you.
0: Excellent. Thank you, sir. Be well. Bye-bye now. All right. There he is, Mike Breen, the voice of the New York Knicks, the main voice of the NBA on NBC. Or Excuse me. Wow. Speaking of 90s NBA knowledge on ABC and espn uh he is not on social media because he's a well-adjusted normal person or else i would tell you where to go find him he, he's the best he's my favorite nba voice and he's just the best dude out